she not a lesbian for peace, she turned pivian, push pin, push pin. Before we get into the intro, I want to give an update on the Sheen situation. Let's back it up. This is from last episode because I exposed him so hard. Facts and truth. Yeah. Um, okay. But let me back up and let's find my emails with them. They are headhunting me. Headhunting me hard. Um, let me just go to my email, actually, instead of screenshots. I'm giving you guys live updates on this. Oh. Okay. First email. Hello, I'm Judith Bradeen, PR manager at Shein. We at Shein Official are just launching our newest summer clothing line, Shein Modeli, Modeli, whatever. And we noticed you have been a fan of our work. <laughs> We are just launching our influencer campaign and really want you involved. You would get free monthly packages, 10 items of your choice per month over production. Shits is going to sit in the landfill. Your own exclusive discount code to share, shoutouts, and repost to our Instagram and website. We will be sending you out free with no catch. In return, just tag us with the clothing, either wearing them or just showing off the package. You don't even have to wear it. That's disgusting. You'll also be getting 30% commission paid via bank transfer or PayPal every time you post a shout out of our newest brand. I already, I'm not going to say the payment on here because it just doesn't matter. And I already posted it on Instagram, but monthly payment in PayPal or bank transfer and an increase the payment as you get more popular and attract fans to purchase our products using your code. We can make more sales off you wearing them on your page. We await a response from you as soon as possible. Best regards. Shane. To that, I said, hi, Judith. Thank you so much for reaching out. Has your team had the chance to listen to the podcast episode that was heavily about Sheehan and your lack of human rights slash care for the environment? Here's the link. Gave him the link to the epi. I would be interested in collaborating with you only if it included helping your brand or helping your brand truly become more ethical and sustainable. I have a background in buying, design, marketing, and much more. Please sit on this idea and refer to the sustainable line that Kourtney Kardashian made with Boohoo. She only committed to work with them if they allowed her to create her own sustainable line that matched with her morals. Link to article. And I linked a Vogue article about the controversy that she got. Courtney did. And I said, best, Kirsten Nelson. And they said, with our Shein Monthly, it went back and forth. And then um, essentially didn't address anything about sustainability and told me to fill out a form. And I said, that is not what I asked. Explanation point. White heart. And they said, please fill this collaboration form and submit back to us. Thanks. <laughs> And then this is the last email, most recent one that I got. <laughs> I'll cut these up. Next email, and I took a little break. I had to eat some dinner. Chicken salad sandwich. Thank you, Mom. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm living with my parents. Who cares? you're vaping along with us sorry just it's so different after you know a meal I know my team would not like to hear that <laughs> I'm sorry okay <clears throat> next email hello 
I am Michael Andrew, Head of Collaboration for Perspective Influencers at Shein. My team had been monitoring your post for a while now, and we are very impressed with your creativity. Is on this ground that we the like to co- <laughs> we the like to collaborate with you in our ongoing fashion campaign. Proofread. <laughs> Shein is the biggest fashion brand in Asia, and our target is to conquer Europe, America, Africa, and other part of the world. Other, not others, just other. And this is the most reason why we have decided to bring in more influencers with unique creatives. For more information, visit our website at shein.com. If you're interested, so if you're interested, let us know so that we can discuss further about terms and conditions and our contract payment that we are willing to offer. We look forward to hearing from you. Best regards. So essentially the update is they've given me nothing. (laughs) Nothing except for more money offers and a contract I'm not signing until I get some confirmation from them that it can be sustainable and we can do something good. Give me that, Michael. Hello, happy Sunday. I'm recording this on Sunday, and it's March 26th. <clears throat> I'm hoping it'll also be out on Sunday. If I can whip this thing up quickly, I'm thinking I will be able to. So happy Sunday, everybody. This episode is just a hodgepodge. <clears throat> I talk. A lot about market and how that experience went. It was awesome. It was so much fun. A lot of learning. My head hurt. Um, I told my boss it felt like when I got back to the hotel, like I was just finishing school. Like that good, that good brain hurt. You know, <laughs> I was tired because you retained so much information. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I get that feeling sometimes. Only if I'm learning good stuff. <clears throat> anyway. I talk a lot about market and the experience I had, like I said, um, casually, funny. Um, There's a lot to talk about, so I think that'll probably be a future thing, and I'm still kind of soaking it in. But yeah, that's one one topic um, that I cover, and the rest is just storytelling and uh, some Q&As from Instagram. Thank you to those who actually ask questions. I think some of you are a little scared sometimes to put something in there, or you can't think of something to ask, which is fine. But we do have a few to go through, and I will happily answer them and give you a shout out if you ask a question. Let's get into the epi. I have two stories about market, but the first one is about Doritos. (laughs) So obviously, I am anorexic. We've been known, girl. I'm not trying to talk about it all the time, but it's literally a lot of my daily routine. So I'm going to keep talking about it, okay? Anyway, I bring snacks with me everywhere. And I brought, well, I had finished all like my groceries that I took on the plane with me. And I door dashed a bag of Doritos, like a family size nacho cheese, just the regular OG red type bag Doritos and I was bringing them into the show with me because I needed snacks throughout the day and I had some like to go pistachio little you know the green little snack pack things 
but I had these Doritos and I love them. And so I was like eating them most of the days, but it was such a struggle because like, I did not want to get Dorito dust on the clothes, like these beautiful clothes that I'm handling all day. And so I had to keep going back and forth, finding some, well, I'd go wash my hands in the bathroom, but I also would have to go to <laughs> the like security, uh, like just question booth stand and get like hand sanitizer. And I said to the lady, it's just not a good mix, you know, working a fashion show and eating Doritos because <laughs> it's not, I just didn't think about it. That's the first story. <laughs> yeah. The other story, there's a eyebrow or something on my screen. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, the other story was that I felt horrible, but it all ended up, it was good. We were good. I felt, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed, but my feelings weren't hurt. I understand now, but apparently you are not supposed to like, if you are an exhibitor, so like you're working on the brand side and you're not a buyer, you're like just like supposed to stay in your booth. Obviously, like you can go get lunch, coffee, w- take a walk, go to the bathroom. All like, oh, you're not like stuck in your booth, but you're not supposed to like walk into other brands' booths. Which this people may just laugh at this in the fashion industry, which I don't blame you. <laughs> I'd be laughing too. But being coming from being a boutique owner. I would just go like when we hosted small businesses and make a round and meet all the other business owners so that I could like network and know them and also understand like what just out of good intentions (laughs) and it's a Midwest thing. I said that to my boss. I think sometimes we're a little too nice and it creeps people out. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, it was like the last day, super slow. And so I was like, I'm going to, is it okay if I go take a walk on like the 12th floor? Cause that was where like all the big brands were. It was like the, you know, loaded up all the good, like well-known wholesale brands on this floor. And I had bought from a lot of them for Shop Nelly. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go take a peek, see their displays, see what they got, you know, casually. And so I'm like upstairs, I go into Mod Ref's booth. Shout out to Mod Ref. It's one of the things between like family members, I believe, distant family members and um besties they're amazing so I went up saw them first went to their booth saw their collection it's amazing super minimalistic a little bit like more elevated workwear oh it is so good so good so good but I popped in there and then I was just kind of like making my way around (laughs) seriously and I could tell the vibe was off every time I walked into people's booth that except mod ref because he knew I was coming up there and it was like, okay, I was in this booth. <laughs> but yeah, I just could tell the vibe was off. And I had been in the position of being a buyer. So I was just like, oh, I'm sure this is fine. <laughs> it was not fine. It was not fine. <laughs> not fine. Huge no-no, actually. Because people will straight up steal shit. And I was just in there like a pre- like a, a, a museum. I love fashion. Appreciating the fabrics and like, oh, wow this is a good, like, this is a good cut. This is, I would buy this. Thinking of who I could maybe tell to come buy the, the stuff from them because, you know, they're going to be around. I know a lot of boutiques. Just thinking of it in that, but that's not how it's received because, yeah, people will straight up 
come take a picture and have it cut and it's like in production the next day. That's how cutthroat this shit is. Yeah. Not only just in like the boutique industry, but like if you're manufacturing and designing. Yeah, it's like that big of a deal. So yeah, I I then learned, hey, do not, you should not step foot in other people's boots because X. And this is the origin of it. And this is why. And this is how it's interpreted as a exhibitor. And I was like, oh my, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So that hurted my uh, soul a little bit. I was okay. I'm always okay. Like I can take it. But damn, I had no idea I was doing that much wrong. And I was just really walking around up there and in and out, in and out of boots, just excited to be there. (laughs) Yeah. So sorry about that, guys. So never again, never again, I promise. So anyway, that's pretty much the gist about, well, just like the biggest stories, the first things I could remember about market. The story was kind of, it's not funny because it was embarrassing for me, but I'm sure it's funny to some listeners. I hope you're laughing at me. I'm not laughing along with you guys, but yeah, that was a thing. But other than that, all smooth sailing. It was so much fun to be on the other side and to... Um, like I've literally been in the boutique owner's shoes buying for stores before for buying for my store. So to like be selling to them and to be able to talk about like, oh, I carried this brand in my store. And I don't know, it was just, it felt authentic. It felt natural. It felt like exactly what I had been doing in my job, owning a boutique. It was just in a different industry ish, like still in fashion, but in there's a lot going on in the manufacturing side. Oh my gosh. So much guys, so much. And it's fascinating. And I could not teach you about it because I'm just starting to learn about the behind the scenes. And wow, it's, it's incredible. It is incredible. Anyway, if you're a boutique owner and you're going to magic or Atlanta this week, see things between in Atlanta, but come see them at the booth in Nashville, it's going to be popping and busy. Magic is really busy. It's a great show. But yeah, I'll do a, another episode in the future about once I know more information about what I'm doing. I feel like it's not really fair for me to make a whole episode on market right now when I've only gone once on the exhibitor side and I've messed it up going to people's booths. Anyway, let's get into the stories and some Q&A. All right. I'm so glad this was the first question that I received too. I said out loud, like, yes, thank you for asking this. And it was from Delaney Alexis Brown. Um, Delaney was an influencer for Shop Nelly. She did one campaign. Um, we just sent her the items that she liked. She, I believe, runs track at, let's take a look. Delaney, I'm coming for your profile. I think it's at Duke or she just did a visit at Duke or something like that. But yeah, she's an athlete. She's an influencer. She's really great in her styling of fashion. She was a sweetheart to work with. Yeah, but that's Delaney. And she asked, um, where is one state you would like to live in? Right now, the answer to that is California. And it has been for a little while. But I just 
had a lot hold me down in my home state and now I don't really. But the reason for that, because everyone's like, oh my gosh, people stop moving to California and vice versa. California's Californians stop moving to our states. How about that? Seriously ruining them. But I would like to move to California because there's going to be more opportunities for me in the industry that I want to work in there. It's more prevalent on the coasts, East Coast, West Coast. And I need a warmer climate with the eating disorder and with Raynaud's circulation's bad in the limbs. And winter just, it does not mix well with me. And I said to myself and to everyone I know pretty much, this past winter, I'm not doing another one here. And I'm going to stick to that. I'm simply not doing another one here. So my answer to that is California. If I had to rank some uh, states, it would go California, Utah. I loved Utah. I actually was tried to move there once, but visited to move there one time. So I'd say California, Utah. I'd live in New York if it was like not in the like heart of the city, like not poopy Times Square. <laughs> no thanks. I've been there, done that. It's stankier than hell. And it's just as weird as everyone says it is. Um, but I'd live in like a, the Hamptons, like the, you know, farther away from the city, a little more country looking, but like old money, fun, floral. Like, you know what I'm talking about? You know, like the Love Shack fancy vibe? I'd say those are my three. I'm also interested in living in Arizona, but solely for the fact that I want to get into Mayo Clinic there for rheumatology and they're ghosting me. <laughs> so that'd be number four, I guess. Please let me in. Please. But anyway, thank you for the question, Delaney. It was a long-winded answer, but it's what it is. And thank you so much. Next question. Actually, next, the next two questions, this one and the next one come from Casey. Casey used to be a Shop Nelly ambassador. She was an ambassador for a very long time. Very sweet. Went to the same or still goes to the same college that I graduated from, UNO. Um, and Casey, we're going to go through your work week question first because you get me talking about Shop Nelly and fashion. It's going to be a long winded one. So we're going to break, break this up. I'll get the one that I think I'll be able to answer the quickest first, which is what does an average day in your life look like slash week work-wise? This is an amazing question because it's inconsistent every week, <laughs> literally inconsistent every week. When I was working full-time, I had a really, really good, because I had to, like it was just the structure of what I was working in, a routine with work because I worked a, a nine to five essentially. So that was really easy to keep a routine there. But before I had a full-time job and I was just working on Shop Nelly and that was my full-time job, it was easier to keep a routine when we had the showroom because I would just build my schedule around when we had like open shop hours. So when customers were coming or when deliveries were being made or whatever, that's how I would build my schedule. Now, without Shop Nelly, <clears throat> without the full-time job, I quit that, by the way. I don't know if I've clarified that on the podcast yet, but I quit that job. That's why I'm not at UNO anymore. It was not a good situation for me. <laughs> um, anyways, that 
is truly, uh, I thought that I was going to be able to answer this quickly, but it's a hard question because I freelance. And so what that means is right now I'm working with one brand, Things Between. And so I'm traveling and doing their shows and sales in person, but then I'm doing pretty much whatever they need help with remotely on the side. So like I'm just starting, but what the schedule is supposed to look like and what it usually looks like for a freelancer is like you will start to understand what your workload is and then you kind of divvy out your projects from there. And so really, and what my work days look like right now is sitting in bed, (laughs) chopping up some work for myself, like the podcast or content or responding to emails. Another part of my job, (laughs) air quote, is taking care of my health right now. So that is like responding to emails for doctors, setting appointments, um, calling and complaining at places if I need to, which I've really had to lately, Uh, calling and giving good reviews. Yeah, like really my work days just look like wake up, make myself coffee, maybe get ready, depending on how I'm feeling that day sit in bed or sit at my desk, eat, snack, respond to emails, poke around on my phone, edit some pictures, listen to some stuff, DJ a little bit on Spotify, (laughs) Um, make sure I am eating lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I try to be done working on stuff for air quote, like what I categorize as work by like five or six or else I'll be doing it all night. And sometimes I do, but if I have like the urge and I want to get it done creatively, I will stay up. Sorry, I'm not not in a good routine. I promise. I just sometimes am a hard worker. Yeah, that's it. And then sometimes if I need to get like some fresh air or take a break, I'll go for a drive or I'll go run some errands or I'll go out and get myself something to eat, something to drink, like a coffee or smoothie or something. Yeah, I just pulse in and out of things is pretty much what my work routine is Um, and breaking it up like that too instead of just sitting down and working like nine to five and then taking a lunch break makes a day go by a lot faster for me. I don't have like ADD or ADHD diagnosed, but I definitely can't sit still. So I have to work like that. But yeah, that's pretty much what it looks like. And then sprinkle in now some shows for things between. So traveling for them and doing sales in person and the sales pretty much look like what I used to do for shop Nelly at pop-ups, except it's business to business. So we're selling to other boutiques. So yeah, great question. You just, I just squeaked. So yeah, is what I meant to say. Great question, Casey. Let's move on to your second question. Okay. Question two from Casey. And this is the last question. It's also, we only got three questions (laughs) straight up. Only got three questions. If more come in, because it's only been nine hours and it'll be up for 24, I'll just save them for the next one. But yeah, it's the third and last legitimately. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. That was good. I'm laughing at myself. Thoughts on what Shop Nelly will look like when it comes back live, sustainability-wise? Another great question, Casey. I don't know. Is a simple answer. I will expand. I'm not just going to leave you guys there. And I just poked the mic. Sorry, headphone listeners. I like the way you worded it because thoughts on, these are my thoughts on it. So please no one hold me to this. It's just my thoughts on it. 
when you think of sustainability in a business, you have to think about it not only in the goods that they're making, but in everything else that they're doing. So like when we were trying to go not fully green, I would not have been able to afford that nor did I have the resources to do that at Shop Nelly at the point when I was trying to be more sustainable. But we started to take small steps and small steps included obviously in our clothing, but I'm going to start right now focusing in on packaging. And that was where I was starting to think packaging is expensive, but it's also a lot of what goes into the experience of an online store. So let's have some more sustainable packaging. And so I started looking into um, like recyclable polymailers or biodegradable polymailers. Those are things, but they are definitely more expensive than like buying just like a plastic polymailer in bulk. So it's just kind of pick your poison there. Um, But yeah, I'd say like that is something that all of our packaging and something that you see a lot of brands do uh, now, like bigger brands, all the packaging is sustainable so that once you receive your order, if you just do what it asks you to like recycle or bring it to like, if you want to actually go the whole, whole process of um, like biodegrading um, polymailer sometimes, or no composting, you can like drop them off at compost stations. There's even like high schools. Duchenne was the first high school to compost ever in Nebraska. Yeah. Like you may have to put extra work in to get it done. What the brand is asking you to do with the sustainable packaging, but that's the whole point. Um, So yeah, I'd say that's where like the start would be is just simply in packaging, making sure that like every part of it, even like thank you cards, you can recycle those because they're paper. Uh, That was like our point in that. (laughs) Um, the poly mailers were not, obviously we didn't get there because, uh, the biodegradable ones are freaking and compostable ones. Ooh, expensive. You can like get your logo printed on them and stuff, which is what I was looking to do. But you put on like screen printing of a poly mailer. That's also sustainable. The cost. Oh my, you guys, you would have been so mad at me. So mad at me. But w- once we have like the resources and stuff, you don't even worry about it. <laughs> Saving the planet and it'll be economical but not too economical, Sheen. I have to split this up, Casey. (laughs) To continue with my answer, um, even like down to tissue paper, obviously any tissue paper can be, pretty much any tissue paper can be recycled. But where we were looking and where I know 402 Threads, I believe uses them for poly mailers, is no issue. No issue tissue is what I saw first, I think, like that drew me in just because they had compostable tissue paper, I want to say, um, for wrapping like garments and mailing them in a poly mailer. And then they also have um, compostable and recyclable poly mailers. You can get custom ones. So you can get your logo printed on it, your brand colors printed on it, social media, whatever you want. You can have it put on this poly mailer and it still will be compostable and recyclable. So. I'd say in like packaging, that's number one. Something that was not very eco-friendly of us was using um, plastic uh, clothing tag fasteners. It's like the most common way to like tag gun a piece of clothing. And it's like truly the fastest. But a way that a lot of brands do it in a way that I would choose to do it in the future is um, like using a different material to hang your tag with, like a rope and uh just a pin or you could there's even like recyclable options for stuff like that so yeah you could do like 
well, not you, but what I'm planning on doing is having all of our packaging being sustainable because it's not only just about the fashion, it's also about all the resources that you put into it. So that's part of my answer. And that's a part titled um, packaging, sustainable packaging. And I'll move into, um, I guess the only one I'll go over next because I could keep going and going and going would just be the fashion. And it's a sticky one. It's so sticky because of what we talked about in episode two. The industry is not designed to have sustainability or human rights, really, uh, like some brands do. But it's just not designed to have people succeed who are doing that because it is a very high price. So when it comes to sustainable fashion, it's hard because just like, let me just just stop thinking about anything about fashion and anything that I'm saying and just think about this. Remember with the food pyramid and everything that we learned about it in health class and then with the fad of like gluten-free, even though some people for like their health have to eat gluten-free, but the diet fad of eating gluten-free, eating soy-free, eating sugar-free, this is like all these labels that are on foods now sometimes are correct but like those labels sometimes aren't true and you like have to do your own research and like that actually may not be gluten-free <laughs> and can is that allowed yeah unfortunately people do the same thing with sustainable materials they'll claim as like a manufacturer or somebody that you're sourcing it from that this is like recycled polyester this is a sustainable 100 percent. our warehouse our everything that we use is sustainable and they're lying so that's what's really hard about committing to like making a sustainable line too is that like you could literally go and think that you sourced something that is 100% recycled materials and low key it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But something that we did for Shop Nelly at the end and this is a brand that I love and they're very common people use their names in their stores too so I'm not like giving things away but it's Mono B M O N O B and they're in a lot of boutiques. They also, I think, have a retail line, but they have a lot of yoga and like activewear. That's where our yoga shop Nelly line was from. And they have like half garments that are sustainable, 100% recycled, like spandex or polyester. Maybe spandex, but definitely polyester. And for that collection, like there were not as many options in the sustainable fabrics, but what we did was like sprinkled them in so that for people, it was like honestly not even that much higher of a price point they kept it pretty similar to their regular fabrics um so like options are out there but they're like far and few between because the cost is really high to produce something like that and i'm not sure that the demand is there the way that it needs to be for them to be like cutting this kind of stuff and putting po's out and like yes david what's good with the terminology manufacturing they i don't know if it's worth the cost I don't, we, I didn't have anybody come into the booth at market and ask if like stuff was made sustainably now that I think about it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, the goal is to find, you know, source a fabric source, a manufacturer to work with that is like their warehouse is sustainable. Um, like working conditions are sustainable and ethical. And then also like what they cut and manufacture with, it'd be very expensive. Truth, like it's going to be expensive period because it can't be it cannot be sustainable and be sold for like 12 bucks. Sorry, <laughs> it won't be. And I'm not going to charge like thousands either. But yeah, it just won't. It won't be feasible and it won't happen. 
But um, that's the goal is to have everything cut sustainably, everything produced sustainably, anything that it's any hands it's touching, it's going to be ethical. You know, if that means I have to go out there and see it myself, I want to. Um, we at the end of Shop Nelly, when I was deciding if I wanted to shut it down or like make a pivot with it, I decided to shut it down, obviously. Um, but we were in the process of looking into making a line in Turkey that would be private label because we were having a lot of issues with um, like our buying getting knocked off essentially like boutiques literally sending people to buy stuff from us to see who we were buying from and then turning around and buying like the same stuff and or literally just ordering to find the tags and then return it to us yeah (laughs) yeah so I was looking to design in private label so that I could stop having the stress of that because it was a lot on top of everything personally I was already going through and everything that our business was growing and having that was also a giant pain in the ass cheeks Um, so yeah, we were looking to make a line in Turkey and I found a really cool, um, manufacturer and he actually made a line with somebody who is pretty well known in like YouTube, but I'm not going to say it because I don't want anyone stealing people will. Um, and they had sustainable fabrics, but we just weren't ready for like the cost of production yet, to be quite honest. I like had the tech, tech packs ready. I had the designs ready. We did a few calls with him. It was pretty cool. The only thing just that made me not work with them too was that, um, I want to say with the war, no, maybe it was wars in Turkey or like, I need to look up and check my work, but he was even saying like, um, sometimes delivery times can be a little choppy because, um, their country will literally like shut down and they can't like make the deliveries. And so with that being said, I was like, if we have a fast turnaround, if we're going to do this, I don't know that I want to commit to doing business and creating a line with somebody that we may never know when it's coming in. So yeah, I've I've tried, but we just, again, we're small and couldn't quite do it. But yeah, that's the goal for the future one. And that's kind of how I'm planning on making it sustainable and ethical in the standpoint of like looking at resources and fabrics and the things that we use. So Thank you, Casey, for a great question. Clearly a great question because I could not shut up about it. To finish this episode out, I am including a video, a screen recording, an audio clip that I have shared before, and it is about my story of driving to Grand Island. I was not just driving to Grand Island. I was driving to move to Utah, as I referenced earlier in this podcast. And I ran out of gas and I popped my front left tire and I fried my battery. So I was stuck there. And uh, in order to get to, like I was driving on, like I I couldn't even tell you where I was. (laughs) I was not on I-80, but I was like driving on a one lane highway. It was dark, sun went down. I don't do well with that. I've, like I've said, debilitating anxiety and it was not good. I literally had like, <clears throat> I think it was 32 or 34 miles until empty and that exact mileage to like the start county line of Grand Island. And this is what happened. And this is where we're going to end the story. Excuse me, the podcast, I meant not the story. And also everything's good uh, with my fam now. It was like, a, just, uh, I've had people asking and I, apparently people asking other people. <laughs> Why do you guys care so much? It's none of your business, but 
I'll make it your business. We're good. And I am still a Nelson. I'll be a Nelson for my life. <laughs> Buried. Uh, but yeah, just they weren't fully getting me permanent and thought that there was something seriously wrong up there in my noggin. But I'm just, I'm funny. I was struggling through a real hard time with my relationship, with my job. And um, they were just very worried for me. And it got a little too loud, I suppose. I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. But yeah, that's what happened. I referenced just very quickly something about that in this story. And I want to make it clear. We all good in the hood over here. Seriously. I have a story to tell. What was that? A Ricky Bobby on um, again. Anyway, my story is... I've told a lot of people this in person. I hope some of you witnessed it in person. I don't know if anyone did or not, but when I was on my way to Grand Island, speaking of Ricky Bobby, (laughs) I had to break a hundred for my safety. I literally had to break a hundred for my safety. I was about to be out of gas. My family was like really mad at me because I was like mentally ill and anxious and whatever. So we're good now but there was like a they wouldn't help me get gas and I needed to get gas and my card wasn't working because I only have virtual cards and whatever it's a fucking it's been a fucking mess for a long time okay I figured it out anyway I had to break a hundred miles per hour on a one lane highway in the middle of the darkness oh my god God, in the middle of nowhere, I was screaming and crying at the same time, just holding on to my steering wheel for damn life, just matching the same amount of miles until literally the start of Grand Island, (laughs) and so in order to like make it just to where I wouldn't be in the middle of nowhere, I had to go a hundred miles an hour. And so, yeah, I was just crying and screaming going a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, I was bawling. And I was just saying, fuck this. Fuck. Someone help me. <laughs> Ricky Bobby on him. Ricky Bobby. But I broke a hundred. <laughs> What's good? Speed racer. Take me to NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs>